All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an episode of Oh the Horror. I'm Rob Holmes, and today I am joined by a good friend of mine, Kelly Vigilante, who has decided to grace us with the 1986 classic Nightmare Weekend. Hey, Kelly, thanks for being on. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I thought when we talked before you said you'd seen this, but apparently not. I, I There's a lot of movies that begin with Nightmare and have the word weekend in it. And I swear, I thought I had seen this. Nope. You'd know if you had. Yeah, yeah, now I'm very aware. You mentioned this to me right after I had done the WTFs list, and you're like, uh, Nightmare Weekend. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, yup. Yup, that would totally be on, on one of those lists. So, so yeah, uh, Kelly, was, why, why this film? Because I have a very soft spot in my heart for it. I, it's just so bad. It's like a manatee. It's so ugly and cu- ugly, but also cute at the same time. You can't help it. It's so bad. It's good. And it's entertaining, right? It is. It, the, the surprising part about this film is it is very entertaining for, like, the best, worst reasons. And And a lot of this is if you're a genre fan and you know... Like now, I think it now I think it works better since the Vinegar Syndrome re-release on Blu-ray came out because we actually have an uncut version, ish, mm-hmm. and we have Dale Midkiff from Pet Cemetery fame as our lead hero guy, ish, uh, and and also good old RoboCop three himself and the dude from Thinner, Robert John Burke playing. Rapey Dave. Oh, God, Rapey Dave. Rapey Dave. <sighs> he's not called Rapey Dave. His name is just Dave. He's Pinball Dave. But pinball Wizard. Pinball Wizard. So so tell us a little bit about, about Nightmare Weekend, because I feel like this, you got a lot of love for this film, and, and that's what's so great. Uh, I just want to hear more about it. Okay, I think one of my favorite things about this film is just how quotable it is. For example, Rapey Dave. One of my favorite quotes from Rapey Dave is he he comes upon a couple at a pool hall. I guess he wants them to move. And all he says was, you're quantity. I'm quality. That's the start of that scene of just like, hey, check out this bar slash pool hall that doesn't serve alcohol, but will then later give this weird car driver his special sandwich which is two pieces of white bread stuffed in between is a tiny airplane bottle of booze that he cracks open, puts back in between the bread, and consumes. <laughs> now, one of the things I love about that driver is that he looks like Adam Driver. So every time I watch it, I'm like, Kylo Ren, there he is. Yeah. Oh, man. It, it, he is kind of like um, before they made it type stuff like this. This is what I could see if Adam Driver were a star in like the late 80s, early 90s. 
This would be his George Clooney Return of the Killer Tomatoes or Return to Horror High type film. Yes. I mean, if he was going to be in some softcore porn, then I think this is where he'd be. By the way, yeah, you... you... (laughs) So I'm watching this film and I'm like, wait a second, is this a softcore porn? (laughs) And the further I get into it, the more I have decided yes. Yes, it is. It's a trauma film uh, or released by trauma. And the amount of nudity in this movie, just everybody wants to have sex. And the second someone meets somebody, they are automatically in love. Love just right there. Mm -hmm. This movie is the perfect storm of everything that you would normally take bad movies like The Room or Troll 2 or Birdemic. This is all of those before all of those. Um, It's funny. The way I found this film was just completely random. Um, I have a lot of friends who are huge horror nerds, and we'll get together and just watch random horror movies. A friend of mine came with a box of old DVDs of random horror movies from the 80s, and the three of us each picked one. And I liked the way that this one looked, and I picked it, and we were just so pleasantly surprised. (laughs) Yeah, that's a way to put it. Um, This film is so... It makes makes Slumber Party Massacre 2 make sense. I just watched Slumber Party Massacre the other night with um, MST3K. My God. But it makes it makes the second one, which is just a nightmare dream sequence, make mm-hmm. sense. Like I I don't. So th- what is I'm tr- to to try and explain this movie to a person? <laughs> there's telekinetic puppets. Yes. Right away, nods to phantasm, kind mm-hmm. of with mm-hmm. with everything turning into a ball like form. Mm-hmm. Uh, telekinesis with him playing with a pinball machine and the ball then turning like a pinball and shooting into a guy's skull who was trying to get on top of the house to begin with and turn Mm -hmm. an antenna and uh, then you have Dale Midkiff just looking at this happened to I guess his brother and there's his best friend because they have best friend necklaces oh that's what it was yeah jingling when he's fucking the main character lately after Still wearing that. But they met for, like, they had known each other for maybe less than a day. They had Mm -hmm. seen each other, talked maybe one or two words to each Mm -hmm. other, and then they were in love and had to have sex right away after she almost got raped by uh, RoboCop 3. That drove me crazy. Like, yeah, right after the almost rape. Well, the whole movie is just everyone wants to have sex. That is the film. Part so, of it, I think, the mind control device that the main character's science weird father has created is supposed to lower inhibitions yeah, and make people the, more agreeable, which, oh, yeah, the fact that it's just making everyone fuck is just like, it's good that the military didn't get a hold of that. Holy well, no, shit. No, no, no. They were already doing that, though, to begin with. That was, like, oh, the yeah. issue. So, so mm-hmm. the issue is, like, the premise of this on IMDb, and I love how they've just simplified it is a female scientist performs experiments on three college girls that turns them into drooling murderous mutants. 
that's not the movie. That is a tiny subplot <laughs> of the movie that you, I guess you could call a subplot. Mm-hmm. It's there. It, it kind of happens, but they're mm-hmm. not really, they're kind of murderous. <laughs> they're more masochistic. Yes. Than anything. Um, I can't believe the makeup that they did was made was Tom Savini like on this film. But was the the question is was it all because I know that they had filmed this and then they did reshoots in New York and usually because it was filmed I think in in Florida or California for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, it was filmed in Florida and then the reshoots were in New York and usually just because this was in the 80s and he was super busy, he was doing a lot of stuff out in New York. So I could mm-hmm. see the gore reshoots. Yeah, no, that's what it was. They, I, I, they did the, they buffed up the reshoots for and gore wise. Um, that's what they did. Let oh. me, let me rephrase my wording there. When they did reshoots, they added in the gore. I just can't believe he had anything to do with this project. And I was watching the commentary last night because I've ever watched it. And apparently the whole cast ended up on a boat with Duran Duran because I think it was one of the writers or directors was British and he was friends with them. So it was just them and Duran Duran. Well, obviously, like, why wouldn't it be? That's crazy. That's I mean, but, you know, it's the 80s. Like, why would it not something that crazy? You know, this movie got made, you know, that that in itself is a miracle by this guy named Henry Sala, who goes by H. Sala. Um who I guess is French. Mm-hmm. Everyone was dubbed over in this movie. No one is speaking normally at all. And you can tell, cause I think some of the voices change as it goes mm-hmm. throughout the dialogue. You can tell was originally written in French and then just like quick translated without caring mm-hmm. about how it sounded because there's some batshit crazy dialogue in this movie <laughs> as far as, stuff people just would never say. One of my favorite lines that my friends and I quote to each other all the time because we're a bunch of weirdos is, you're a slut, just like your mother. That is, it is such a... (laughs) Just out of nowhere. It comes out of nowhere. Right in the beginning. Right in the beginning of the film. And isn't she just saying that to the maid? Yeah, she hates the maid. Well, she hates everyone, but I think she particularly hates the maid. So I, I read into more of what this plot actually is. So okay. there's what is that? Oh, I, now I'm forgetting what the machine is called. Um, oh, God. Apache, right? Apache, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So George George is this little puppet thing mm-hmm. that I guess is a little AI hand puppet because mm-hmm. it talks to this girl and then she will tell them, uh, Jessica will say to the puppet, Mm-hmm. what she wants to do or if she wants to play a game and the puppet mm-hmm. i guess has access to the apache defense system which mm-hmm. is also what her dad is working on and sometimes mm-hmm. they cross wires together so if she plays a racing game she controls somebody's car i love this concept that you get in the beginning that is straight up just thrown out the window within like 20 minutes mm-hmm. she does the car thing twice it never comes back she does the car thing. There's the pinball thing that happens in the beginning. And then you see a pinball machine later and you're thinking <laughs> this is going to come back. Nope. Well, somebody comes on the pinball machine, but that's well, somebody. I mean, they, yeah. So, so Burke, RoboCop three, 
while playing pinball is having sex with this girl in this bar and no one seems to care. Well, I mean, they're just watching and everyone's just like, cool, Dale Midkiff. He's like, oh, oh, man, because Jessica has escaped her house and is going to be free and goes into this CD bar and sees that. But RoboCop 3 is looking at her in the eyes and then she gets creeped out and leaves. But Dale Midkiff is like, I'm going to go after her. And then they fall in love, and then it's all it's all over the place. And I I love the fact that it was written in this way because th- this script should be like if you can't write something better than this script, mm-hmm. never write again, ever. <laughs> I am going to say I'm not sure who your favorite uh, character is, but mine is Tony, the guy who is dancing in almost every scene, except the one where he is fucking and kissing a girl's back continuously. Creepy Tony. Okay, so Tony just wears headphones and listens to music and dances. He, it's so complicated on how this one guy who creepy porn mustache dude is oh, yeah who is dancing around with um with uh one of the girls right yeah yeah no i don't remember i think one of the girls names was annie but i don't i don't remember their names doesn't really matter because they're all it's it, they don't they don't they aren't even characters they're just yeah. people who are there in this film so names mean yeah. nothing except i feel for like George, in a lot of horror George's movies a lot of the women who die are just promiscuous girls that i like to call throwaway sluts and I feel like that's what they are. Yeah, but the guys are too, if not more oh, so. Oh, yeah, that's true. The guys are the epit, And you know what? They actually get thrown to the wayside fully as far as even their deaths go. That's uh, true. For the most part. Well, even Dale, like everybody's death is kind of just like, Bleh. there it is. But when we're, when we're seeing how he ends up hooking up with this girl, mm-hmm. like he ends up talking to his buddy and then Tony goes out there and stabs the tire just dancing the whole time to give a slow leak flat next thing you know the car's pulled over at the side of the road the two girls are waiting and the third one is having sex with this other dude porn mustache dude in the back of the car while discount adam driver is changing a tire i think one of the things i love about the softcore porn scenes is just the access of back licking there is a fixation in these scenes on back kissing. I don't it's know so how much they were actually having sex or if they were just hugging each other's backs and kissing them. Because <laughs> especially when he's in the car having a fantasy about doing that again later. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, if people are listening to this and have no idea what we're talking about, you should have seen the movie. Because we're not going to go through everything in order because the movie doesn't. The movie is non sequitur. So this podcast will do the same. So watch the movie. I found it on YouTube for free, <laughs> and I watched it. It is the uncut vinegar syndrome version. Oh, my friend bought it. I have the DVD that I'm borrowing from him because he that loved cover it is so too much. nice for the movie. That poster is way too nice for the movie. Yeah. What you're so I'm looking at this poster that Kelly has on this, and it, it's the re-release is very like artfully done. It has the girl lying on her bed. And the door or like the the it's like the two French doors or whatever opened up to the outside and you see the the sky looks evil like the clouds are a mouth. That's awesome. The original poster is like 
how many fonts are on this? Nightmare is one font, Weekend's another, little title stuff's different, little side stuff. But it's a girl who looks like Frankenhooker minus the stitches um, with her hair up. These little, a demon dog on one side, a little uh, biker dude in the back, a skull above, and a TV. Or a computer thing. It was a computer. Not as cool. Still cool, but not as cool. Cooler than the quality, though, of the film. I will say it is one of the most interesting things I've ever seen as far as concepts that, that go, though. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. Like, uh, my, my husband and I were trying to explain it to someone the other night, and it, it ended up being a lot like this podcast. I was like, how do you explain the unexplainable? It's a surreal film. Like, mm-hmm. you think you have a character who you're going to follow throughout, who fits your basic Deborah Foreman style main character. Mm-hmm. Instead, you're following this delusional girl who is, I mean, the whole time, just she is taking advice from this puppet named George, which we don't know if it's an AI or what. Mm-hmm. And has to, well, it's part of a computer system because it has to process what she is saying as she's talking Mm -hmm. to it. And then it finally analyzes that she's in love and tells her what she should do. It's very family feud. Survey says Mm -hmm. 66% of guys prefer women in white dresses or whatever the number was. And then it's advice on how to meet a guy who wants Mm -hmm. to go hitchhiking. It was right at that point. There's three ways that she could meet guys. One was like, go to a bar. One was maybe a club or something. Mm-hmm. And the third, yeah. or yeah, disco. And then the third, mm-hmm. hitchhiking. <laughs> First thing she says, perfect, hitchhiking. And that's what she's going to go do. That's actually what leads to her rape, per George's suggestion. Oh, no, she doesn't get raped. She almost gets raped. Oh, yeah, almost. Almost. Yeah. So she she basically like in. Oh, God. In a scene that you can tell it's dubbed over because I can imagine the director just saying, "Okay, run over here. And then the actor stops and he goes, no, no, no. Keep running. Keep running out of frame. Keep running. He, ride the motorcycle. I'm. I don't know how to use it. No, ride the motorcycle. It's fine. It's fine. We'll we'll make it work. Cause it's so choppy, and so forced. Mm-hmm. As they're having this weird dance back and forth, when she could have just booked it out of there immediately. She drops mm-hmm. her stuff. He leaves his motorcycle. It's, it's so amazing, <laughs> in the best worst ways, just because it's so ridiculous the director actually um i think you said that he was french he actually had a translator um tell them the stage direction so it's not even his direct direction it's like telephone to the actors who are most of them are first-time actors that's true yeah and i mean they had they had the french script they had the english script Mm -hmm. so it's like you're dealing with a director with a french script while the cast has the english script and you know that even though he's going to end up redoing or, or doing it all in a post-production, it's like, what? It's it just, you can tell it's a mess. It feels, it's more disjointed than an Argento film. Yes. Because at least with Argento, the editing skill was there. Mm-hmm. 
This this is some of the choppiest editing I have ever seen. But for some reason, it's in the beginning when she's with George or talking to George and she's on her bed. She's laying down on her back. Half a second later, she's on her stomach on her elbows, like talking to him this way mid sentence from when she was talking like that. It's so chop chop editing of, of there's no way she could move that quickly. But I think that's like a lot of the charm of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like you've got to suspend all disbelief from the get go in every arena. Yeah. I mean, but the thing is, there's so many cool concepts that are introduced in this and like that, even the whole, um, the whole Apache computer and the whole George system, which was like a combination because it was like George is her main system, but it mm-hmm. connects into Apache. So it's this all powerful computer system, which is apparently a Coleco Atom computer. And her road race game is the Coleco version of Sega's Turbo, which is fascinating. I always love that. I love when they use real games in something. And you're watching them repurpose things that had an existence before where they're like, no, we're going to make this look like a futuristic computer or whatever they need to. Um, One of my favorite small things about this film that has to do with the dubbing and everything is when they start to dance. And the dancing that they're doing is definitely not to the music on screen. (laughs) The music is so bad for whatever (laughs) dancing they are doing. Mm. And... I noticed in this one, and this must be an 80s trope, and I saw you were talking about this the other day, was uh, how everything is like everyone's doing uh, either yoga or they're doing the, uh, what is it, the cardio? Aerobicizing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everyone's aerobicizing. Mm -hmm. And between this and I was watching a couple of Carpenter Brute music videos this morning, Mm -hmm. like... So many of his videos are pulling clips from the 1980s, like all these movies from the 80s. Mm-hmm. And it's everyone is either a cheerleader or it's a robicize. Like it is Jane Fonda workout, all sorts of everyone's wearing that neon stuff. And they're all it is. It's crazy. That was such it was like in bingo. If you were to play horror movie, yeah. 1980s B movie horror bingo, that's that's easily on there oh yeah have you ever seen the film pieces i have seen the movie pieces yes yeah that's another one of my favorite aerobicizing centric films pieces in general i find pieces to be more cohesive than this oh my god even though it's named pieces yes (laughs) well as the tagline said it's exactly what you think it is yeah i I love that film that is one of my favorite marketing taglines ever <laughs> because you're seeing chainsaw and body parts on the poster and then that is a tagline and I'm like yep sold which a lot of the time when people talk about pieces there I remember at least in the late 90s early 2000s people mm-hmm. would say it was an overhyped horror classic and oh it's it was it tried to do too much and I'm like you know what though it's fun mm-hmm. it's fun it is a lot I enjoy it I like yeah. it and this <laughs> is the same thing this is a this kind of reminds me of a movie like Death Row Game Show, hmm. which Death Row Game Show is a total comedy. It's ridiculous. It is batshit crazy. Hmm. 
this is like an accidental death row game show <laughs> because it's very random. There's some non sequitur stuff thrown in there. It's going for comedy on purpose. This is doing comedy by accident mm-hmm. because it is one of this is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> based on how people are reacting to any situation they're put in. Mm-hmm. Um, our our villain character in this, who is this scientist who we meet in the beginning, who's just mean, but apparently also sleeping with uh, Dale Mitkiff's character, Ken. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julie Klingstone. Her name is Klingstone. Yeah. And she is trying to take over Edward Brake's uh, project for for his... Uh, Apache, basically this thing can take whatever item you have and turn it into a metal sphere. And then you eat the sphere, or it some it will somehow go into your mouth because mm-hmm. it is now a living conscious thing, mm-hmm. and it will change the way you think. It will mm-hmm. alter your brain waves and turn you... The idea is for people who have schizophrenia or people who have any sort of deviant type behavior mm-hmm. so it's extremes you could either have be schizophrenic or extreme mm-hmm. deviant type behavior this would help to fix that that's the whole purpose behind mm-hmm. it he's done it with animals she wants to test it on humans he says no and she says well i don't care i'm doing it anyway and has her cronies which are the maid the butler and the driver in the beginning go out to do their stuff they are useless characters they are they useless. Are. They don't do anything. I mean, she does, the main villain. But even her, she's unfazed. The car. I think the most she's... useful thing the maid does is stab porn stash guy later on when she's in zombie mode. Oh, yeah. She, well, doesn't she, is she the one who appears at the end or is it somebody yeah. else who appears at the end? So she does something that's way more important, too, by... We'll just go there because you should have seen this by now. Is that when our main villain is going to meet up with Ken and he's like, No, you're not going to meet up with me because I already got all the money. Peace, I'm out. She shows up anyway. She gets out of the car, but she doesn't look in the back seat, which, if we've learned anything, mm. anything is always look in the back seat. You just, you just do. Somehow she's waited all this time in the back seat, being super creepy, but gets up, no hesitation. Slits Klingstone's throat. It's cool. I'm uh, quite happy when she slits her throat because I'm like, shouldn't have called her a slut. Bingo. So there's revenge based on that, which that's that's probably one of my favorite moments in the film is dealing with everything that happens with the maid, even though it, even though I don't know how the ball ended up in her coffee. Did it fall in the coffee or in the sugar bowl? I don't even know. I, I I get so confused. I still don't know how the ball made it out of toothpaste. So I, I don't know. Oh, oh, it turned into toothpaste. Is that what it? Okay. Okay. Oh, maybe it turned into her. The whole thing is, is this thing can turn into whatever you need it to turn mm-hmm. into. The underwear thing was weird, too. The dude's eating this ball thing, <laughs> pulling at this girl's underwear out of his mouth. This is why it's so funny. <laughs> that in itself was just hilarious. I definitely thought he was going to sniff the panties, and I was pleasantly surprised when it turned into that. Yeah, this this ball thing basically just attacks him and goes down his throat. 
um, as he's trying to pull the panties out of his mouth. So it's a really funny image of him struggling. Uh, <laughs> And I guess when she brushes her teeth, she becomes infected. So everybody slowly is getting infected by these balls uh, towards the end of this film, which I don't even know if there's really a middle because the middle is just a softcore porn. So everyone's just having sex and then meeting up to have sex again. Uh, porn stash dude at one point after you think he's dead. Remember, he, he ends up having sex with one of these girls who has been. Yeah. Had the ball put into her. She's on top of him. I'm expecting her to rip into his chest and tear him open since mm -hmm. I was told that this movie would turn them into drooling, murderous mutants. Yes. But apparently we see him the next day and he goes over to the bar and says, hey, guys, I bought the bar from Dave. But Dave's <laughs> Dave's gone. Dave's dead. Dave's been gone before all of this happened. So this dude banged this chick who is like a weird mutant thing mm -hmm. survived mm -hmm. even though he was creeped out like trying to get away mm -hmm. which by the way beforehand he's trying to have sex with her and she's getting naked fully in front of him seducing him and when he tries to kiss her she's like no what are <laughs> you doing what do you think I am who do you think I am and I'd be like the woman I had sex with in the back of a limo like yeah earlier today yeah i thought that really blew my mind because i was like but you already had sex like why are you trying to be coy oh man this movie played it backwards mm -hmm. it just it was it was so absurd i feel like this movie was just edited wrong like mm -hmm. how this guy then was gonna buy this bar i'm thinking ooh, is he possessed by something now like something must be happening and now he's gonna buy this bar no Nothing changed. Now he's going to sleep with the other friend who happens to know Jessica, the main yeah. guy's daughter. It's what world do they? It's oh, yeah. one of my favorite things that actually happens with her. And I think her name is Annie, if I remember correctly. Yeah, is that she starts to drown once the ball goes down her throat and he just walks away and tries to fuck the blonde <laughs> Like, he's yep. like, that's not, that's not happening. Not even going to try to help her. Just gone. Yeah. It's just, then he goes on to the other one. And then one of the girls just starts, like, I guess she's combed all of her hair out. <laughs> By the time there's this big reveal of this creature type mutant reveal. So we actually see stuff. And it's like, oh, I don't know how she ripped all of her hair out in the last two minutes. Cool, cool, cool. Um, and then we see the other girl having green stuff oozing out of her eyes and out of her mouth and I, I'm I'm just miffed where all this stuff's coming from but I'm like I'm interested mm -hmm. you got me with the glow stick eyes you know yeah the whole movie's like that though you're like what the hell but I can't look away it's like a car crash in the game that she's playing so so this is one of those films that I understand why it disappeared for a long time <laughs> there's another film 3615 Code Santa Claus, also known Deadly Games and Game Over. It is also a French film. Yeah. It's a weird movie in the same way this is a weird movie, where there's a, not, a lot of non-sequitur stuff, but mm -hmm. really cool things. But have you seen have you seen Game Over? No, I haven't. I'm interested. 
it's it's Home Alone before Home Alone. Oh. But really messed up. Like, mm-hmm. if if a kid had everything in the world that doesn't even make sense on how any of this stuff works, and then some crazy dude tries to kill him mm. and is just coming after him the whole time, that is what this movie is. Mm-hmm. Is it great? No. Was it gone for 20 years and then they brought it back out so people could watch it? Yes. Does that make it awesome? Yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> yeah, it's on Shudder. On there, it's listed as Deadly Games. Okay. Cool. I've been watching a lot of uh, horror cri- horror Christmas movies lately. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, horror Christmas films are, are good, you know, um, for mm-hmm. the most part. We should probably get back on a nightmare weekend. Yes, night. yes. I'm sorry. No, no, no it's fine because I'm thinking. I'm like, we could talk. Nah, <laughs> that would yeah, be its yeah. own thing. Um, so, what's strange about this film as we go through more about uh, Nightmare Weekend is it is one of the most abrupt endings to a movie. Yeah. Ever. It just like as we're going through, we're expecting first, like before we even get to the ending. I actually want to go back slightly because mm-hmm. I was talking about Mrs. Uh, what's her face? Weird stone lady. Mm-hmm. Um, Clingstone, Julie Clingstone. By the way, I think half of the, the actresses in this actresses in this movie were former Playboy playmates because most of them had not been in any movies except for these. And most of them had had a pictorial in Playboy. Before they were in these movies. Oh, wow. So that does not seem so surprising now, being Mm -hmm. that everyone is having sex in this movie. Miss Clingstone isn't on camera, though. Maybe that's why she's so angry. Well, yeah, of course, because she used to. And then, you know, she's not getting it from Ken anymore. So she's super sexually frustrated. And obviously, Dr. Brake isn't putting out because he's... Mm -hmm all about his Apache program thing. And then then George isn't going to do it because George is a puppet um, and totally into Jessica. So the thing about Clingstone is Clingstone doesn't get phased by things, though. Remember, she's in her car in the beginning, and it goes out of control, and I'm like, oh, my God, this woman's going to get killed right off the bat in this car. Her car speeds up. It's choppy as hell in, in the editing of where she's going. Mm-hmm. Unfazed. She is unfazed. It's true. She does bitch out the scientist about letting his daughter play with those things, but she just gets on up. Yeah, but that was like once she figured out what was happening, mm-hmm. then that kind of came into play. But in the beginning, she just seemed like it's this thing where she could have gotten smashed by a tractor trailer. Mm-hmm. She's headed towards a truck. A look of Oh, not even oh no in her eyes. Just, huh? Well, this isn't good at the most. Mm-hmm. And then you know, no heavy breathing, no panic. Like every time something happens to someone, it seems so run of the mill. Which makes me think, like, do they actually live in Tromaville? <laughs> like weird shit seems normal in Tromaville, and if this is listed as trauma, like in the beginning, and has that trauma mm-hmm. intro logo, right? Mm-hmm. Is this just a product of Tromaville? Does this movie make sense in that universe? 
Maybe. Let's discuss. Okay. So, if it does, it would make a lot of sense, right? Mm -hmm. It's about as nonsensical as a class in Newcomb High film. Mm. Or the later Toxic Avenger movies. Mm. The acting, just about as good. Mm. There's heavy dubbing, which they've done in a lot of those as well. Gratuitous nudity. Mm. Nonsensical ending. Now, not all of them. Nonsensical plot, definitely. Mm. Uber low budget. This was half a million dollars, and sure it was. Yeah, when I heard that, I was like, was it? Yeah, because think about it. It's the same way why Troll 2 probably cost a lot of money is because you have these people coming over thinking that they are better than they are. They, they're directors who are coming in, and there's a lot that gets lost in translation. They may be all right directors, but you end up with that type of situation where making a movie is hard enough to begin with. Don't stack the deck against yourself. Mm. And that's that's what these people did with this movie, and you can totally tell. Like yeah. people are phoning mm -hmm. stuff in. No character in this movie knows what they're doing at any moment. Mm -hmm. There's no motivation for any of it. But that's that's what is so great about this is because this is a movie. I don't want to rip on it too much because I don't really think it deserves to be torn apart in the way that most movies deserve to be torn apart if they're mm -hmm. bad. If anything, this is always different and new and entertaining. Good? What does good mean? Is it quality? It is a quality. Hmm. But I think it's like a learning lesson for a lot of people and for a lot of filmmakers. I think it's essential viewing. For any filmmaker, I think they have to watch it because if they think making a movie is easy, watch this movie and then start thinking about how you compose your shots, how you film your stuff, how are you going to do your edit? Everybody mm -hmm. thinks that it's just a camera and filming and done. But then you start thinking, well, you notice when people aren't doing eyelines properly mm -hmm. and it's glaring. You notice when an edit is choppy. You notice when the lighting is off in a scene. You notice when they're flipping the 180 line over and over and over and over on the camera. So it's like it's jarring mm -hmm. trying to figure out where you're supposed to be. Even something as simple as making sure when they're dancing, they're dancing to something where the rhythm of their body actually matches the music because it could not be more apparent. There's a lot of stuff with this film that it didn't get right. I would say everything. <laughs> yeah. But that's such a good thing. Like in this case, I would totally say that. I think in this case, it's a movie that you can sit down with your friends and watch. If your friends are prudish at all, don't actually, you know what? Fuck it. Make them watch this movie totally make them watch this movie maybe they'll they won't be as prudish <laughs> afterwards or you have lost friends but it's a it's a crazy film it's just a a crazy sex romp that somehow has violence in it that starts off it like kelly this started off as the most promising movie <laughs> sorry <laughs> no I, I mean it, trust me I, I was not disappointed i was never disappointed <laughs> that opening scene was so like i'm sitting there and i'm doing other stuff and then i see the the pinball go into the dude's eye and i stop what i'm doing i pause i go back and i'm like i'm giving this my undivided attention now you hooked me mm -hmm. then the puppet you double-hooked me. Then pretty much everything about Julie Clingstone comes into play, and I'm like, 
Oh. <laughs> oh, this is what this is. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's it's definitely like this ride that you you never know what's going to happen and I think that's one of the things I love most about it. You it's like it's like the pinball where you have to watch it just go from thing to thing to thing to thing. It's a little jarring, it's a little disjointing, but mm-hmm. it's one of those films that you can just turn on on like a Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And just watch. Don't I mean don't have your parents over or anything like that and watch it. You know what? Maybe. I don't know. They might like it if that's what they're into. Yeah. Depends on your parents. Yeah. But what like so what is it about these movies that that um, are these like the type of films that you usually go for like B type 80s or is this like something that's just very near and dear? Um, I love horror like just all together. Like I have such soft spot for horror films and a lot of my friends go to a lot of uh, horror conventions and are very into it. And so a lot of times when we get around each other, we'll we'll drink or or smoke or whatever and just watch, you know, films and kind of riff on them. And we all grew up watching Mystery Science 3000. So I think that's one of the reasons movies like this have endeared themselves so much to me. Yeah, it's movies like this that make me realize there's so much more to the 80s that I I thought I knew way more than I did uh, when it comes to to some of these films, just because. With this one, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen this, but I'm getting it confused with, like, all these other films. Like, you know, uh, I got Blood Rage confused with a bunch of stuff, because how many titles does, does Blood Rage actually have? Like, it, it's got more than one. And all these other films that came around out at the same time. But then with companies like Vinegar Syndrome and uh, Arrow Video and some of these other ones, we're starting to get some of these forgotten VHS classics, I guess. That's the best mm-hmm. way to put it. But what are some others that you're that you are a fan of of this type of film? Oh gosh. Um definitely not Night of the Demon that comes to mind, but oh my god, I hate that movie. Wait, wait, uh, ni- 1988's Night of the Demons, you don't like? Uh is that that's the one with the Bigfoot rape, correct? Am I thinking of the right one? What? There is, I believe it is called Night of the Demon. I could be getting it wrong, but there's a film that my friend made me watch where there are Bigfoots in the hills and they're having uh, inconsensual sex with people. And it's one of the worst films I've ever seen. It's Night of the Demon from 1980. Okay, so yeah, that's I've never even heard of that one because the one that I know are Night of the Demons. So Ah, uh, yes. Now, when I think of stuff, I think like Night of the Demons... But quite frankly, the first Night of the Demons is not a very good movie because they mm-hmm. just reuse a lot of the same footage mm-hmm. in that movie over and over. Mm-hmm. Uh, Night of the Demons 2, though, that's the best. I don't know. I did see one recently from the 80s that was definitely a straight-to-VHS release called Elves. And this is um definitely, I don't think, one that's well-known. And uh, I felt like that one kind of reminded me of this one quite a bit. Elves is, uh, let's see, 1989. I remember this box art mm-hmm. because I would see this all the time when I would go into the video store. All the time. And it was PG-13. Which, I can't believe it was PG-13. Well, okay, so that kind of makes sense. You know, the whole PG, PG-13 stuff. Like, you can get away with a lot at the time because it was a very new rating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was such a weird... 
type of movie to then just come out, be there, and then no one really even talks about. Yeah. Um, Cemetery uh, Man is is totally on a different playing field, but that's one of my favorites. Uh, Della Morte, Della More? Uh, yeah. Oh. That's one of my Cem- favorites. Cemetery Man is so good, but this is like, so Cemetery Man, also like a softcore porn horror, but yeah. it's Rupert Everett. <laughs> It has this dreamlike state, but nothing ever seems too dangerous for him. He's dealing with all this crazy stuff in the cemetery and corpses coming back to life. And this woman in three different times that he sees her, you know, like the three different women that she is. Yeah, this kind of has a little bit of that feel to it because you don't really know what's happening. Yeah, but it's it's just you can't look away. I just and, and I'm rooting for Rupert Everett. I can't help myself. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's Rupert Everett. I mean, how could you not? He's great. Um, one other film that that I really like from this um from this time period is Reanimator. Reanimator is the best. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thread of all three of these movies. They all have softcore porn elements. <laughs> there are very naked women in these movies. So we know we know your primary interest in a horror film. <laughs> That's awesome. Why is Reanimator one of your favorites? I just, I don't know. I, I just like the juxtaposition of Dan and Wesley. Yeah. I like the way they kind of interplay. And um, I just love how bloody it is. I, I It's hard for me to even explain. I, I just love it. You know, it might have to be, I, I think Stuart Gordon as a director, like really does something as a writer mm-hmm. and a director, like to, to help develop his characters. You got Jeffrey Combs doing one of the best roles ever. Mm-hmm. Um, as Herbert West, like he is just, he's gold because you realize this dude is a villain, but everybody cheers him on. Like he is the hero of this movie. Oh my God. He's kind of like Ken in this film. Uh, cause Ken acts like he's the hero in nightmare weekend, but Ken, Ken sucks. He Ken, does look, I thought that he loved the main character. I really bought into it. And then he's just going to leave her. She was going to meet him and they were going to go off together because she says that to her dad. They act like it's like six months later or something. She's escaped this woman. They don't call the police at all. Right. They've like made it through. She's not going to do anything. The dad's like, okay, whatever. I guess this is all cool. There's all these dead bodies in my house, but that means nothing. Okay, daughter, go on and meet your guy and go to Kansas or something. I don't know. They're going to go to the middle of nowhere. So yeah. she is going to go with him. I guess he's not saying anything to to uh, okay. Stone Chick. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And when she shows up and gets killed, then you're you're expecting. All right, well, now we're going to see her end up with this guy. Mm-hmm. But then, as the mutant uh, maid or whoever ends up trying to attack Ken. Mm-hmm. This ball ends up showing up as a defense system because George hears the screams that are mm-hmm. coming from uh, Jessica. Yes. And yeah, launches a ball which drops a door which lands right on Ken and crushes him. And at first you're like, man, he might be okay. Mm-mm. Yeah, we get a close up of Ken's eyes squishing out of his head like paste, followed by Jessica screaming and a title card saying, The End. Yep. Oh man, it's it's too good. It's too good because I'm just like, what? This is it? This is the movie? Like, mm-hmm. Clingstone gets her throat slit. 
other girl goes to attack and gets bashed in the face, yet mm-hmm. at the same time, Ken had smashed into paste. Mm-hmm. Wait a sec. This movie was all about George <laughs> being in love with Jessica. If he's in love with her, then why did he tell her to hitchhike? He didn't tell her to hitchhike. He just said, survey says, not in those words. Mm-hmm. She yeah. chose to hitchhike. She did. She did choose that. She could have gone to a bar, could have gone to a disco, but no. Well, she went to the bar disco. Mm. That didn't go well. It's not very smart. She's she's really not. She's super um, flighty right off the bat, too. Oh, she is. She is. I did find it funny that she wore all white all the time. I don't know if she ever wears a different color, even after she has sex. Well, she was told to wear white. She was? I forgot about that. Okay. It said that, that uh, what should I wear? What color? Or it's like they prefer a dress. What color? Uh, this percentage prefers white. And I'm like, really? That's the that's what you're going for for a dress? Is it after Labor Day? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it, questions. We never get answered like that. But this script, though, like the way it's written, it is... I mean, tell you got you got to you got to talk about the script a bit. Uh, one of my favorite um, lines that shows the bad translation is, I believe, the blonde, and it's coming back to me that her name is Linda. She's talking to Tona, Tony, and I think it's right before the toothpaste incident. She's talking about how good everything feels and how it's all so perfectly pleasant. I just got that deep down good feeling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she's, she might be in love with him, too. Yes. Because she's never felt like this before, and it's the best he's ever had. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know if this person wrote porn for a living beforehand, but it does sound like primarily that's that was their forte. Mm-hmm. Um, was writing either porn or softcore porn. Mm-hmm. Pro- probably softcore, since... I'm sure that has more dialogue. I don't know if this person actually set out for this to be a horror movie. I mean, if it had all the effects and stuff done later on in New York, maybe this was meant to be a softcore porn that was a little weird. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you know what? We could just make it a little gory. I was, um, I heard in the interview, they were saying they wanted it to be softly X-rated. In a horror film. I mean, there. I guess there was X and triple X. Like, you knew a triple X was a straight up porn. And X could be, I guess, what became NC-17. Yeah. But wow. I mean, I don't know what they were expecting from this, though. I don't know. The funny thing is, um, in one of the interviews I saw, gas station attendant number two is actually the guy who worked on the American script. Because he hated the French script. And he's like, well, I'm going to improve it and make it better. And then not only do you see the effects of his trying to make it better, you also see his acting, both of which are horrendous. Wait, he tried to make it better? Yeah, he thought the French script was worse. And these are the efforts of his rewrites in some spaces. Yeah. (laughs) This just (laughs) put it on. this, This is now... 
this just went on a whole new level. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. A- Here we go. Mark Gottlieb. Leap. Mark Gottlieb is the guy. Wow. That is absolutely amazing. Like, how can you end up? How can you end up making like writing this worse than what we ended up getting? Actually, you know what? There were a few sentences that did sound like normal sentences mm-hmm. that people might say in a bad B movie in America. So maybe. Yeah, That's this is definitely silly. one of those movies that'll stay with you. Yeah, you can say that again. It'll stay with you and haunt you forever and ever and ever and ever. Yeah, this was a this was a strange film, and I'm so glad you introduced me to it. Oh, I'm I'm glad someone is. Yay! No, I totally am. I think this is like <laughs> this is essential viewing in the way that like Troll Two is essential viewing for people. Yeah, I think this this is all this is like. In the same way, Slumber Party Massacre 2 is essential viewing for all people as well. Something like this has to be seen yeah. to be believed. It's definitely not as good as Life Force, but I think they're both equally enjoyable. I think Life Force is way more enjoyable <laughs> for a multitude of reasons. First, it's directed by Toby Hooper. Second, it's Space Vampires. Yeah. Third... That woman's naked for, like, most of the movie. And she's beautiful. She's gorgeous. Oh, my God. She's like uh, the girl from Delamorte Delamore or Cemetery Man. Yeah. Like, that level of just, like, hello. Mind-blowing. Like. That's part of that movie for me, Patrick Stewart being a woman. Yeah. I always forget Patrick Stewart's in that film, and then I get to that point in the Mm -hmm. movie, and I'm like, What? is happening yeah that one i think is that's on like another level because it's it's toby hooper going full toby hooper Mm -hmm. this this is like this is uh this is not that it's it's like the perfect mess it's the it is the perfect mess of a movie that has so many intriguing plot points so many that it never fully pulls the trigger on. It just kind of is like, here's yeah. a grab bag of stuff. Let's just throw all this stuff out on the table and we're going to use all of it. It's at least better than Hand of Manos. I will give it that. A Manos Hand of Fate? Yes. Okay, yeah. sure. <laughs> yes. This is one of those that I feel like has that. So there, there's bad, bad that is just like irredeemable type mm-hmm. bad. Where movies are yeah. just, I would never watch it again because I think it's just garbage. Like Roller this, Gator, yeah. Sure, another roller movie. Let's say the Rollerball remake from two thousand and two mm. or whenever Ooh. that was. Yeah, is that that should just every copy of that should just be burned. Yes. This, no. Mm-hmm. This Nightmare Weekend is like, it's a. It should be seen for indie filmmakers as a manual on what not to do. Yeah, that's fair. But I think it's that's why. But it's so entertaining. It's like watching a training video. Those like really crappy training videos from the oh 80s or gosh. 90s. Like hot yeah. drinks from Wendy's. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's like we're searching these out now. And this is ser- this is like searching out one of those and yeah. finding it and going. Oh, guys, you ready for this? I think and that's just, one of the reasons I love it. 
Yeah. It's I mean, as I'm watching it, I'm like, Kelly picked Kelly picked a great movie. <laughs> Ridiculous enough that it's generated an hour and a half of discussion. So, you know, it's got to be doing something. That is very true. That is very <laughs> true. Which I would, this will, this will edit down. Um, Cause I say uh, a lot and I try and edit <laughs> a lot of those out and that takes me a very long time. And there are definitely some of the same things you say where I'm like, I'm not familiar with that. And I'm just like, I'm just going to listen. <laughs> yeah. So overall nightmare weekend is a must see. Mm -hmm. You have to see it. This is make your friends watch it. Force people to watch this movie. If you have filmmaker friends, First thing, sit them down. Make your enemies and watch. watch it. Ooh, that's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Kelly's right. Make your enemies watch it. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, COVID. What else are you going to do? That's true. You can prank your friends. This can be the new Rickroll. <laughs> Let's put a YouTube link to it and just, just send everyone the YouTube link. Just be like, oh man, you got to check this out. <laughs> <laughs> Have it go to specific scenes. Oh, God. Just put the marker on it to go exactly to whatever line you want them to say in the film. I honestly just want to make a reel of back looking. Like that. I just want a mashup of that. There's so much. If you haven't seen it, you don't understand how much back licking and back kissing and back caressing is in this movie. Like, RoboCop 3 guy has more actual sex up against a pinball machine than probably anyone else in this movie, since most of the back, it, or most of it is gripping onto someone's back and just kissing them. <laughs> yeah. It's true. But still, total recommend. Kelly, thank you for being on for this. This was one of the most surprising episodes of this, because <laughs> I had no idea what the hell... I got myself into, and I'm so happy. Well, thank you so much. I'd love to come back on and watch another weird thing again because I'm I'm big horror aficionado, especially for movies like this. They just they just I just love them. It's perfect that you say that, Kelly, because <laughs> I found a movie oh, and I've never seen it, but it's called Night Killer, and it came out in 1990. Now I'm going to give you the synopsis of this. Okay, okay. A serial killer with a rubber-like Freddy Krueger mask terrifies the city of Virginia Beach. No! Oh my god, are you serious? I am not kidding. This is on no! TV, and it came out in 1990. By the way, anyone oh listening god. to this, I reside in Virginia Beach. Claudio Fregasso is the director. As Clyde Anderson. It is from the genius who brought us Troll 2. No. Oh, my God. We have hit the jackpot, everyone. If you've stayed on for this whole episode, <laughs> you have hit. We don't even know what this movie is yet. We have not seen it. But the plot is a guy wears a rubber Freddy Krueger mask and terrorizes people. And it takes place in Virginia Beach. I am looking at a still on IMDb, and there is literally a woman with a one sleeve t-shirt with a tit almost out with a blue scarf and a teddy bear in the scene. And I am intrigued. Yep. And I'm seeing the picture right before that with this dude hair popped out of the back of this really shitty combination of like Freddy Krueger meets Rawhead Rex meets the dude <laughs> from the burning. Like, yes. and her face is just, that is classic. 
I we have to. This is so. Yes. yes. This is so good. Oh my god! I need to see this. Oh. Oh, this chick's got a day. gun to her head, and she looks belligerent. Yes. I'm here. Well then, I guess uh, we have found a new cult classic, at least yeah. for the Hampton Roads, Virginia Beach area. Wow. It's got a four wow. out of ten. Yes. Which is pretty high, and I'm looking at someone's review on here, and they gave it an eight out of ten on our user review, and they said, from the genius, in all caps, who brought <laughs> us Troll 2? Oh, my. It was filmed, apparently, in, in Italy... And Virginia. No, no, it was also filmed in Virginia Beach and at the Sea oh. Vacationer Motel. Okay, we can't, we, everybody, you have to hear this next episode that Kelly is going to be on after this. We are uh -huh. going to be talking about Night Killer from 1990, filmed on 33rd Street, uh, 33rd Atlantic, Virginia Beach. Oh my God, that guy's review, my favorite line. Um, Night Killer inarguably remains pure trash with terrible acting and lousy scripting. Yes. This is going to be the greatest thing ever. <laughs> Kelly, thank you so thank much you. for being on this because thank now you. you have helped. You, we have now discovered a new treasure. Yes. During this. It's a hidden gem. This is amazing. You've just like you've changed. Yeah. You've changed my outlook on life. 2020, it's all going to be all right from here going into 2021. Yes. I believe. I am really excited to pick out local landmarks and watch this film. Oh, <laughs> so amazing. Well, that'll do it for us this week on Oh the Har. I'd like to thank my guest, Kelly Vigilante, once again. Yeah, and thank you again for having me. This was a blast. I can talk horror all day. And we are going to. So... <laughs> Uh, join us when I have her on next time to talk about Night Killer. Yes! Look at me, Damien! It's all for you! Now, it is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here.